Hi team, so today's call is with the wonderful Indra from PitPat. Indra is one of my dearest friends. We've known each other years when we met um, back in 2010 or something working at Naked Wines together. Now she works at PitPat, a activity tracker for dogs. So think Fitbit for your, feet, your canine friends. Really interesting product and as you can imagine a, a very niche product. So today she shares uh, insights from working brand side, agency side and exactly what is working for them at the moment given the rising cost per customers on social media. So I hope you enjoy this one as much as I do. Without further ado, here she is. Well, let's see if any gold nuggets come out from me. I today. know they will. I'll give you the official warm up. Hi, Indra. Thank you ever so much for joining us today. It's been a long time since we've seen each other. It has been a long time, thanks to COVID mostly. Yeah. So you've now moved over to the wonderful Pit Pat. How, how did you find yourself there? What was your. Well, firstly, why did you leave naked? Because I still need to know that answer. And, uh... Because you joined Hannah, obviously. <laughs> only kidding, only kidding. So how did I find myself at Fitpad first, perhaps? So I was previously working with Genie Goals, as you have mentioned. I was there for six years, six wonderful years. And this is where I would say my real kind of digital marketing experience has started. I absolutely loved being in an agency environment. I think for anybody starting out, it's just the best place to be just because of how much information and training you're exposed to and so many more great minds in the company that can basically guide you, train you and show you all the, all the tips and tricks. It is a very intense environment as well. Um, and obviously you don't kind of have a choice of what brands you work with which is good and bad, I guess, at the same time. So you do get exposure to a lot of different business types and models, which is amazing for your development. But then, you know, I guess I found myself in a place at some point where I thought, I just really want to market a product that I that is very close to my heart, a product that I really believe in. And that's kind of what, that's what led me to kind of exploring the, the in-house opportunities and yeah I found pit pads. I mean I love dogs. I absolutely love the product for anybody that doesn't know what Pitpad does, our kind of hero product is an activity monitor for dogs. I know I get a lot of surprise looks when I when when I mention this, but it is a real product, believe it or not. And you know, there are nine million dogs in the UK alone and at least half of them are overweight. So it's a really, really handy little tool I would say that any dog owner should consider. It's really, it is a really interesting concept and product and I find it quite entertaining because I use a Fitbit, well I use an Apple Watch now but I used to use a Fitbit and the idea of putting one on my cat because I'm a cat owner, heaven forbid not a dog owner, really amuses me, really really amuses me. When you first, so just taking you back a little bit, when you first left Naked Wines to join this digital agency, we were at Naked Wines back in 2013, 2014, like years and years ago now. Yes. 
And it's funny because we were an e-commerce brand that didn't do digital marketing really, right? We, we were, they were very good at emails. We did a little bit, but it was like a tiny amount. And the majority of our work was based in partnerships and based on new customer acquisition through direct marketing of some description. And I remember when you left and us all being like, oh, that's a brave step. Oh, digital marketing, risky. <laughs> and actually, it's the opposite, isn't it? I mean, Naked now does digital marketing. You know, they've, they've developed it a couple of years later. But it was quite a risk when you took the jump into digital marketing. Did you see it as a risk or did you see it as inevitable? I actually, at the, at the time or by that time, I already felt that digital marketing is kind of the way forward for a lot of brands. Perhaps because, you know, I'm a millennial and I kind of, you know, mingle with people of my age and I just saw this growth in people that, you know, saw people becoming more and more digitally savvy and spending more and more time online. And so I felt that online is probably going to be the next big thing in terms of uh, customer acquisition. It was a little bit accidental. It wasn't exactly my kind of conscious a conscious decision that I took, like moving into digital marketing. It was actually my personal circumstances that have led me to kind of relocate and to look for another job. But I'm really, really happy that I ended up where I did and, yeah, find myself in digital marketing now. Wouldn't look back. So you, at the time, it was obviously the next step. What do you think the next thing in digital marketing is going to be now? Because we're we're seeing a lot of changes. Facebook is going up in cost. People are coming off it um, because of data and privacy concerns. Where do you think the next kind of area is for marketing? Yeah, I do actually think that Facebook and Instagram is going anywhere or at least not for a good few years. But there are these other platforms that are emerging all the time. TikTok being one of them. But I think it all depends on where your target or who your target audience is. So I don't think even customer acquisition through direct marketing is even dead. So, you know, if, if you're targeting kind of your 60 plus kind of audience, you know, who perhaps are less digitally savvy still, you know, that channel isn't dead. And then if you are a, a, a really young, funky brand, I don't know, be it, for example, some trendy clothing brand, then you probably want to be on TikTok a lot and you want to target your Gen Zs and an even younger audience. So it's hard to say what the next big thing in digital marketing is going to be. I think each of these platforms or channels are going to still have a role that they will play in customer acquisition. Do you still get naked wine vouchers too? <laughs> Do you still see them? I still it's, get them from time to time. It's been a while since I've seen one, but I have actually heard people getting them and, and I have seen some around, yes. But perhaps, I don't know if, like, as you said, you know, they, I think they moved on to kind of digital marketing quite a bit now as well. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm sure the vouchers are still floating around. Such a good it was, and I think it worked really, really well for Naked Wines, and I think it still is working well for a lot of businesses, especially if you're a subscription-based business. I, I, I think you're spot on. I think it's for subscription businesses. It works very, very well. So in terms of your marketing strategy at PitPat, you're obviously, a, it's a very niche product. It's only for, for dog owners that it's going to appeal, or, or yeah. I imagine you get some gifting market, but it, it, it's still quite a niche 
you know you haven't got a range of products you aren't, you aren't going to appeal to the majority of people how many dog owners are there in the UK before I say the majority of people Around 9 million dogs in the UK. And obviously there will be some people that own multiple dogs, but I would I would say the number is pretty close to that 9 million. So in terms of your marketing strategy and communication, what have you found really has worked for you? So in the past 12 months, we have invested a lot of time and, uh, and effort into really crystallizing who our target audience is. We did that through you know, investing in qualitative and quantitative research. We've sent out a lot of surveys. We really listened to our customers. We also looked at audience insights on various platforms. And once we kind of were able to identify who that target market is, we have adapted our messaging. We have changed the customer journey. And we believe that it has played a big role in kind of how, you know, in our success as a business and the growth over the past 12 months. Have you seen changes in conversion then? Is that, has that been the number one? Like what's been the sign that it's been a success? We have seen a, an increase in the number of conversions. It's a little bit hard for us to say that that is the one thing that actually has made a difference because of, you know, the whole COVID situation and dog market just exploding. I mean, it's a really, it's been a really tough year and, and it's hard to compare year on year uh, and to say what really has, you know, made that difference. But, but we believe that that has definitely, definitely contributed to the growth. I think it makes a lot of sense. And actually, Emily, our head of strategy at Genie, she always talks about our, and actually she formed our avatars. So we know exactly who we're going after so that we've got that right customer. And actually, it's a step that... When I'm talking to new clients, the moment they say they've got that piece of information, we're like, yes, we can help them. If they haven't got that piece of information, it's so much harder because everything, you're right, the copy, who you're targeting, what platforms you're going on. There's so many factors that will change if you don't know exactly who you're going to. And Absolutely. I know you listen to Nikolai's podcast because we had a good uh -huh. conversation about it. And it's mm -hmm. interesting how he was talking about his first a million pounds came from one type of customer, but his second 100 million or his next 99 million needed to come from a different type of customer. And until he'd done that research, he wasn't able to find out. And by the sounds, that's exactly what you're going through right now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we've done winning marketing strategy. What was your losing marketing strategy this year? Oh, good question. Don't say affiliates. <laughs> <laughs> actually oh gosh I really need to think about this one I cannot think of one right now <laughs> um that's because you've made such a good difference there's been no negatives right you've joined pit pan it's just gone. there hasn't actually been a lot of negative I can flip the question social media marketing it's a hard one to get an ROI out of for a lot of brands how do you find it Social media marketing is one of our biggest channels, actually, at the moment, and has been for, for quite a few months. It is becoming increasingly more competitive, perhaps less than Google ads still, but it's definitely up there uh, in terms of competition. And you really need to stand out and really need to grab the attention of people that are, you know, scrolling through their, uh, scrolling through their feed. I guess in, when it comes to social media, marketing 
what one thing that we did and and i hope this perhaps is going to help somebody else that that is listening is instead of focusing on conversions focusing on micro conversions because the funnel is much more multi-layered these days than i guess ever before so it, it's not as straightforward as i'm sure hannah you will agree as you know showing an ad to a cold audience and then just converting so it's not a top and bottom funnel there are just so many different stages and actually a lot of other channels play a part so in that conversion process so approach it as as part of the mix you know rather than a, a, an individual channel we completely agree rachel milner our head of paid social would you know she would agree because she often talks about the full funnel approach and actually often paid social funnels into PPC, it funnels into organic, it funnels into a lot of other areas because someone's seen you there and it takes a process in order to warm someone up on social media. First time they see your ad, you're right, you're not going to go and buy necessarily. It's highly, highly unlikely. You need to introduce them to the brand, kind of explain what your point of difference is, who you are. And and I think that's one of the most important things when doing social media ads is you've got to put your brand on the ad. Absolutely. If you have beautiful imagery, consumers only stick around for three seconds most of the time, not even three seconds. So if you don't have the brand there, you've wasted the ad. They don't know who you are and they're never going to remember it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's not enough to just show your ads to people once. You know, I think you need to look at things as, you know, like frequency. You need to do your retargeting. And, you know, there are even like multiple layers within the, the paid social itself, you know. So... Mm-hmm. And getting your objectives right, because the objective you set on that social media campaign, whether it's conversions, whether it's reach, whether it's whatever those are, they have to be right. The amount of accounts we audit and take a look at, and it's every every single objective is sales or every single objective is traffic. And it's like, it's not though, is it? That's not what you're trying to achieve with that. There is one caveat, and that is if it's working, maybe don't stop. Because yeah. we, we looked at an account the other day and every objective was set to traffic, but it was converting really well. So we were like, let's just not change it. It's working. Yeah, exactly. We can test another one, but let's not change that one because it is converting very, very well. Absolutely. Once you get something that's working well, just don't mess with it. Just keep it as is. <laughs> Absolutely. And just test against it just to make sure you're right. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, for us, I think it also very much depends on on the business and the product. So for us, uh, because we're targeting dog owners, it's very, very easy to kind of reach that dog interest audience. It's a very, very clear, clearly defined audience. I think if you're in a, I don't know, in selling furniture or selling clothing, you know, you, you kind of probably have slightly less to play with. So you can go for age, you can go for gender, you can go for, you know, the location that people live in. But everything else you have to kind of leave open. Whereas for us, we know that we want to target people that own dogs. So for us, it's kind of no brainer. It's, it's a really good platform for us to, to be on and to advertise on. That's interesting you mentioned, because obviously your experience, you've worked with um, big lingerie companies, big clothing companies, big homeware companies. Do you therefore find it much easier because you've got such a niche to target them than you perhaps did with the broader businesses? In some ways, yes, I would definitely say yes. However, it is a crowded market, as you can imagine. I mean, there are so many dog brands, you know, from food to toys to accessories to everything else. Uh, so it is it is quite a crowded space and you do need to, you know, offer people something 
exceptional for them to to get them interested. And I guess the biggest challenge for us also as a brand is that we are not only we are kind of a newish brand, but it's a new product category that we are offering to people. And to educate people about the category and to explain why this device is what they need or want for the dog is kind of an additional work that we have to do. So, yeah. I can see how that's actually a challenge of, of being a new category, right? Your your job is not only marketing the product, but actually it's educating the all dog owners on, on why they may, might potentially want it. Surely that hampers your, your marketing efforts because you've almost got two objectives there. Absolutely, absolutely. So for us, just introducing our brand, you know, sometimes you really need to kind of introduce the category as well as brand to convince people to convert, you know, some at some point first down the funnel. But yeah, it's definitely, I would say, double double the work, double the effort in some way or another. So how do you educate them? How, how do you try and get that message across about this new category? We are trying to explain as clearly as we can on our website. And then depending on where we send traffic from, we always try to make sure that it's, you know, it's relevant. And we also try and solve people's problems. I think that's what a lot of businesses are focusing on, not just us. But for example, for us, what has worked really quite well is, you know, whenever somebody types in Google, you know, is my dog overweight? We know that this is exactly the concern that we are able to help you with. This is exactly the problem that we can solve for you. So it's not just necessarily that people will search for an activity monitor for dog if they're not aware that it even exists. But but people have problems that we can solve with our product. So yeah, educating them through that, I guess. That's like a textbook, the Harmon Brothers in America. All of their adverts are based off solving the problem and actually listing the problem all the problems that a consumer has right now and then explaining how this product will solve it. Do you do any YouTube advertising? We have done in the past, but that was actually before my time. We haven't done any in the past year and a half. It wasn't very successful when I tried it last time for us. It's definitely um, kind of like a high budget, you know, requiring campaign. And then it's still, I believe it's still a little bit hard to measure that success with YouTube because it's, um, it's great for brand awareness, but as you know, you know, it doesn't necessarily translate into sales or at least not, not immediately. So it's hard to put an ROI against something like YouTube ads. We have done TV advertising as well. Again, um, great for brand awareness. You definitely see the effect, you know, once your ad has aired. But again, these are, I believe that YouTube, um, and TV are, are kind of very expensive. Definitely worth while trying, but an expensive ways to kind of put your brand out there. You're such a data marketer, aren't you? I am such a data marketer. Yes, <laughs> I like to put an ROI against everything. <laughs> you like a big spreadsheet with all of the numbers, and if it's not giving you the right number, then that's absolutely, it. I do. Uh, I do. I, I can understand that, and, and having worked in the businesses you have. All of those are data-driven businesses. So you had it, you've had it bred into you. Um, is there a piece of MarTech or technology that you use every single day and you think I couldn't live without this? So there are a couple that I use on a daily basis. So one 
piece of technology that we only started using quite recently. And I mean, like very recently, a couple of weeks. So I haven't had a, a chance to kind of properly get into it, but I already know that we are going to be like this. So it's this uh, reporting platform called Glue, spelled G-L-E-W. Um, it does everything that any other reporting platform would do, except that it gives you a lot of information on your actual customers that bought from you. So you can segment your customers by lifetime value. You can segment them by, you know, whether they bought from you with a discount code or without. You can then export those segments and you can retarget to them or build lookalike audience of the back of them. So I find it just really, really useful piece of um, technology and I can't wait to get stuck into it properly. Uh, another piece of technology that they use regularly. So having done a lot of research and digging into, into numbers, as I mentioned, you know, our paid social is one of our biggest channels. And we have seen that, you know, most of our conversions are happening between a certain time of the day and a certain time in the evening. So showing your ads 24 hours, you know, seven days a week isn't the best use of your budget. And so I've been looking for software that would allow me to kind of manage this um, outside of Facebook platform itself, because there are lots of, you can essentially do that with, in, within Facebook ads, but it, it's very limited. You have to basically have, instead of having a daily budget, you have to have a campaign budget and it, it just doesn't work for us. So this piece of software called RevealBot um, allows you to do just that. So it kind of stops the ad at the hour, ads at the hour that you set it to, and then it re-enables the ads. And, and by doing that, also your ads don't go back into learning phase, which is, you know, as we all know, we don't want any ads to be in learning phase. We want them to be active. So yeah, a very, very handy piece of software actually that I use every, yeah, all the time. I've never heard of either of them. So um, thank you very much for sharing them. No worries. So the question we answer, air answer, the question we leave every interview with is firstly, what's your favorite e-commerce brand right now? What's my favorite e-commerce brand right now? I would like to say, although I'm not very big into gym myself, but I really admire Gymshark mm -hmm. just because they have just grown exponentially in such a short time. And I think they're one of the fastest growing actually companies uh, in the UK at the moment and very, very digitally savvy. Uh, so yeah, I just, I would just, if you ask me what question I would like to ask Jim Shark. I would say that I would really like to hear more about, you know, which channel contributed most to their um, amazing growth um, from both kind of brand awareness perspective and also sales. Yeah, that would be my... It's got to be social, hasn't it? They're socially just so strong. And actually they're like founders and their their operators are now influencers in themselves. So... Yeah, I think influencers is another uh, kind of channel that they really, really harnessed and, and made to work, you know, in their favor. We have tried working with influencers and we haven't seen kind of the same level of success. So it has to be interesting to hear. When you there. say influencers, what type of influencers? Were they dog Instagram channels or were they people Instagram channels? So dog influencers mostly. Yes. And, and, and a couple those. of. They're brilliant. I know that they are brilliant. I just, I, you know, we just haven't, didn't get the desired results, I guess. So we, we really pulled back now. But yeah, maybe, you know, if there's 
any any kind of gold nuggets that anybody else could share on this and how to select the right type of um, influencer and you know how actually involved our brands in terms of what content is being shared by influencers and all these other things yeah be great to hear i had a great interview by ben francis actually on influencers and he just talked about the impact of micro influencers you know he didn't go after any like they didn't go after anyone big they went very hard on their niche that they were targeting and i just got them involved in the process so that they were on board which i think is very interesting and i'm going on holiday in a couple of weeks and i emailed the hotel to ask about a couple of things and when they sent me their reply they sent me the reply and they sent me the influencer videos that the influencer had done because wow. I was asking about where we could eat um on the beach and they 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 sent me the influencer videos of exactly what the beach looked like and what it looked like set up and that so they didn't do any of that marketing themselves they used someone else and actually unsurprisingly the influencer made it look amazing so of course I've purchased because yeah. but I just thought that was a very interesting I've never seen a hotel or or another brand use that as their description so they're not just using the influencer on the influencers channel they've incorporated that into their website into their Q&As and into their customer responses so that it I mean it's a better use for money right yeah absolutely it's very very interesting I think that's definitely very good channel for for any brand to kind of harness if, if done right yeah thank you so much for having me hannah <laughs> i am really happy to be part of the e-commerce experts Slack channel and i really like it because ever since leaving the agency i feel like i don't i i am a little bit sheltered i'm in my happy place i'm an in-house marketer it's, it's what i wanted to to be and to do but i am definitely i definitely feel more sheltered i feel like i am not exposed to quite as much information and I don't have all these brilliant minds that I can bounce the ideas off. Um, we are a team of four marketers in, at Bitpad, but I still feel like, you know, we are all specializing in our own areas. So sometimes I, I miss that bit, you know, I miss being able to, you know, ask my expert colleagues a question and, and get a straight answer. Um, now I'm just having to figure out a lot of things by myself, which is also not a bad thing, but yeah, that's why I think something like, you know, the channel that you've created it's really extremely helpful and yeah, great well i look forward to seeing your questions in it but i also feel like i need to caveat that i didn't pay you to say that and i didn't <laughs> pay you to say it because it almost sounds too much of a good testimonial thank you ever so much for joining us today i know you were nervous but you had absolutely no reason to be i think it's very very interesting because you're working on such a specific niche brand that um a lot of other businesses will identify with it you know it's you're also a seasoned digital marketer, even though you tell me you're not, and you don't want me to mention how many years you've been doing it because you don't want to highlight your age, but you've been in the industry a while. I have, I have. And thank you so much for having me, Hannah. I really enjoyed this interview. You really made me more like, no, cut this bit.